0: Welcome to the third season of the Give, Receive, Improve podcast. In this third season, we will be focusing on the topic around the first 90 days of becoming a new manager. Welcome to the Give, Receive, Improve podcast with Lisa Lam and Sawana Ali. This podcast was inspired to help new managers overcome the challenges of managing and leading people. We have a combined experience of over 50 years in leadership and management roles. We know, and I mean we know, the struggles and rewards of leading individuals and teams. We believe that you should not be facing your challenges alone. So let's start this journey together. To find out more, check out our respective sites at lisalumcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Let's get going. In this episode, we will talk about understanding what really matters for the new manager in the first 90 days. We will essentially be answering two key questions and they are 1. What and how are the real life experience of a new manager in the first 90 days? And number 2. What are some of the tips of what not to do in the first 90 days? So let's get going.
1: Hi Lisa. Here we are again continuing our sharing on the first 90 days. We want to discuss about the top priorities of new managers especially in their first 90 days. And of course, one of the best ways to do it is by revisiting our own personal experience. As we have already covered in the last three episodes, being a manager is definitely not what I initially expected in terms of the burden of responsibility hanging on my shoulder. In my journey to write my first book, A Handbook for First-Time Managers, I had conversation with a few managers to gauge on their r- real-life experience as a new manager. Based on their feedback, as well as my own personal experience, I categorized four distinctive phases that managers go through in their initial transition to new managers. The four phases are honeymoon, reality, readjustment, and coming together. So now, let's talk about the first two phases first. The first phase is honeymoon. This is the initial period, say in a few weeks, of becoming a manager. Some have their honeymoons shorter than others. Everyone is unique. During this phase, new managers are excited about the promotion, a validation of a successful career growth in the right direction, And thinking that the title manager is an entitlement to authority, that their subordinates will adhere to such hierarchical protocol. They perceive the role as glamorous and they are pretty confident that they can do the job well. They are confident because they are high achievers as individual contributors, so it's quite natural for them to feel that this is just another one that they will thrive. In the beginning, they may not be fully aware. I mean, they thought they were, but they actually were not, in which case, they will only find out much later that they are going through a change process, and being a manager requires very different skill sets. Due to the lack of awareness, they continue to function in their own comfort zones and to their strengths. As a result, they will get bogged down quickly and stressed by the amount of work that they need to do. The bigger danger, in fact, is that the managers may not even realize that they are actually doing the jobs of their subordinates instead of supporting their subordinates to do their jobs effectively. During this period, their subordinates observe, deduct, and judge their managers. And slowly, they will form some opinions and start sharing and comparing notes with their colleagues. The outcome can be detrimental if not addressed in a timely manner. The next stage is what I call reality. During this stage, reality comes into effect very fast, piling down on the new manager. They begin to struggle a lot when their subordinates come to them with many issues. Their peers not giving them the required resources and their bosses pressing them on specific status or actions, all at the same time. And suddenly, they spend a lot of time just firefighting on many related as well as unrelated issues. While struggling doing this, their subordinates, peers, and other stakeholders started forming specific opinions about their performance as a manager. Their subordinates will start thinking or saying that the manager doesn't know how to set direction, for instance, not adding any value, or more inclined to support other team members. And this is because the manager is still operating in his or her own comfort zone, performing to their strengths as individual contributors rather than managing people to execute tasks to achieve the intended results. This would be a vicious cycle if not addressed in a timely manner. This is the period where the managers can lose their credibility very, very fast and will struggle to earn trust as a result. The hard reality that the managers would gradually learn to understand during this period is that their role is about solving problems, setting priorities, motivating and inspiring their team members to perform the best they can be. What do you think, Lisa? How was your experience then? What are some of the not-to-do that come to your mind during this early phase?
0: Yes, Elle. I can absolutely relate to the first two stages, honeymoon and then when reality strikes. I would say that one should enjoy the honeymoon period because it only lasts a short time. Typically, 30 days, because that's how long the people around you, whether it's your manager or your direct reports, will give you to prove yourself or for you to demonstrate your words with your actions. For the most part, because you are new, you are full of energy and excitement and ready to go and make the changes that you had envisioned in your mind. After all, every new manager wants to make their mark. I can remember the first time I was made a manager. I thought, this is strange. I'm still sitting at my desk, still doing the same thing, And the only difference is that now I have more responsibilities and that's basically it. I remember vividly asking myself, what am I doing? What did I get myself into? For me, my honeymoon period didn't last more than a day. And that was the day that I was informed that I was going to be a manager. Kind of sad when I think about it. I should have enjoyed the honeymoon period more. What not to do during this honeymoon period, no matter how long or short it is, One. Don't assume that the honeymoon period will last forever. Obvious, but for most, we are on such a high that we ignore the fact that we are in a new role and that there is a lot to learn. Number two, you think that you know it all and your answers or decisions are always right. You might feel on top of the world because you have been promoted. But the reality of how someone is promoted, it is usually because you were a performing individual contributor with the potential of managing people. Potential and experience are vastly different. The mindset and skills required vary greatly as well. You do not know everything, and unless you're open to learning, you will find it extremely difficult to lead and not just manage your team. Always remember, you don't know what you don't know. Number three, as a leader, you're there to serve your team and not the other way around. Management today is not the authoritative, hierarchical culture of yesteryears. You are leading by example, and your goal is to lead and inspire each person in your team to do their best work in the most collaborative and accountable environment. You do not order people around, and definitely you don't assume that they will all gladly do everything that you ask of them. The skill and track record that got you the promotion are not necessarily the skills that will help you stay in that position. In my experience, the reality phase hit fairly quickly. In fact, the next day. Like what I said, my experience from honeymoon to reality was very short. I think partly it was because the environment was the same, in that I was still sitting at my desk, surrounded by the same mess around me, and the people were still the same, and the only difference was that now they're reporting to me. My reality was very clear. It was right in front of me, I now have an added responsibility of not just these people, but their goals and results as well. Some of them were achieving their targets, which was great, while some were obviously not, which were clearly a problem. No matter the situation, I had learned that there are three key things not to do during this phase. One, solve their problems for them, or in other words, believe that I had all the answers and I would take away their responsibilities. They need to be accountable for their actions and they need to take ownership for the things that they were supposed to do. Number two, continue being an individual contributor or keep on doing what you have been doing. You are in a different role and therefore you cannot function or perform in the same way. You will need to mentally step up and change your mindset to be a leader and not just a manager. Three, not asking for help. The reality is that you will need help. And the sooner you ask for help, the better. The key barrier to asking for help is usually your pride or your ego. And therefore, the sooner you humble yourself and acknowledge the areas that you need help in, the better you will be.
1: Thanks for sharing, Lisa. Indeed, the trends and patterns of new managerial path is pretty much the same. Moving on, allow me to share the next two phases of a new manager's journey in the first 90 days. The next phase is what I call readjustment. Readjustment happens when managers realize and accept that they need to change to succeed. The Realization and acceptance processes can happen fast if they listen to feedback from their bosses, their peers, and especially their subordinates, which in reality are very hard for many of them. So what do you do when you realize and accept that you need to change to succeed? Find out more on what's working, what's not, and what you should be doing differently. Have a chat with your boss, some of your peers, and your subordinates as well. Get their feedback objectively, and based on those information, start doing something different. Take this phase as a reset, an opportunity to start something afresh. Some of the key variables that managers make changes on after a few weeks or months in their role Include but not limited to this. Number one, take the time to plan and set the clear direction for the department. Number two, proactively build relationships and set predictable rules or ways of engagements with your direct manager and peers. Number three, communicate in the department's rule of working together. This is very critical as you will need support and resources from other departments as well in delivering the best experience for your customers. Number four. Develop personalized engagement with team members. Your subordinates are from varied level of experiences and maturity, which requires different approaches or engagements in motivating them to work effectively. Some of them you need to spend more time coaching, some will function very well if you leave them alone, for instance. Number five, managing change. You must learn Unlearn and relearn as your role as a manager means getting results through people. There are many elements involved in getting this right. For instance, changing your mindset and how you function. Creating a predictable operations to make it easy for all to work together. Initiating informal activities among team members to establish good teamwork and staying healthy to manage the work stress that comes with it. When the adjustment phase works well, then come the next phase. I call this phase coming together. Coming together means that you have won some mind share. Your subordinates starting to listen to you and believe in your purpose. You can now start managing them as a group rather than managing each individually, and orchestrate people for a common purpose within a specific context or perspectives. How would you know that you have reached this milestone? One of the mistakes is when your subordinates openly request to discuss and seek your perspectives on some tricky or difficult conversations, or openly voice out their dissatisfaction on your treatment towards their peers. For instance, you may be a little easy on your star performer for not attending a sales meeting three weeks in a row because you know he always delivers on his commitment and he always calls you to update status. That does not look good to other team members as in their eyes, you practice favoritism. Your behavior indicates so. You are not aware of it until suddenly the HR manager comes knocking on your door and highlights such incident. You may feel that you are misunderstood. In any case, this is the opportunity for you to set the record straight. Do the right thing. Talk to your subordinate, say sorry and that you will do things differently moving forward. Such incident tells you that your subordinates care and they voice out to the right channel to demand some action. They feel safe enough to demand that because they have earned their trust. Now this is the golden opportunity to establish the departmental culture and its strategic vision for the long term. You can safely orchestrate your team members for a common purpose for all of you to succeed together. What's your take, Lisa? Were there any moments of U-turns that you think are extremely beneficial for all of us to learn? I
0: absolutely agree with the next two phases of readjustment and then coming together. I think that once you have accepted reality, then readjustment is a natural next step. You will need to course correct, especially in areas where you have identified as either barriers that you need to overcome or weaknesses that you will need to work on. I believe that one of the most powerful acts any manager can do is to acknowledge areas of weaknesses or one where you need help on, because the truth is everyone else can see it and usually you are the last person to realize it, and that is why it's commonly known as a blind spot. Based on my personal experience and observations over the last 20 years or so, I would say that leaders who are able to be adaptable and flexible are the most successful. These would play out in the ability to recognize and acknowledge what your competencies are, what are the strengths of each member of the team, and then the know-how to leverage on each person while working on areas of weaknesses. For example, I am not a meticulous or detailed person and don't necessarily like processes. One of my previous roles just so happened to require an aptitude for process-oriented superpowers. I was fortunate to have someone in the team who was perfect, as she was process and detail-oriented. So what did I do? Instead of trying to force myself to do it, I leveraged on her strengths to get the job done. One of my strengths is simplification. So I was able to value add to her by helping her to simplify. That is just one simple example of how by being adaptable and flexible, you're able to transition quickly. When you're authentic, you're able to comfortably adjust and readjust, when necessary, as each member of your team will need something different from you. A simple note to remember, no two-person is the same, and therefore, one of the challenges of being a manager is to be adaptable to each person at that point of need. Once you've established a working baseline and understanding, the next natural step is to get the team to move as a team. to support. Collaborate and grow together. Coming together as a cohesive team is not easy, as each individual has their own goals and agenda. It is especially true if you are in a team of high performing individual performers. I find that they are actually the most challenging to turn them into team players. It is like any team sport. If each individual is just playing their respective role or position, but not playing well as a team, the team is pretty much not going to win. Imagine, if you're playing basketball and each player only plays their position and never passing the ball or giving another player who is in a better position to score to take the shot, you know it's going to be a disaster. In the same way, your team is only as strong as the teamwork that exists and that is entirely up to you as the leader, coach, mentor and manager to bring them together. Now, this takes time as each person will need to establish trust with one another. Therefore, not only you as a manager needs to acknowledge your weaknesses and ask for help, each person in the team will also need to essentially do the same. Trust has to be built not just between each person with you as the manager, but also with one another as part of the team. Now, this step takes time and as a leader, you will need to learn to empower and hold each person accountable, including yourself. I find this to be one of the hardest things to do as a manager because you can't force or order people to do it. That is great, Lisa. Thanks for
1: your feedback. Evidently, every day is a learning process. The important thing is for us to be aware and ready to capture all those learnings and change for the better. At this juncture, I would like to share three tips on what not to do in the first 90 days of your managerial journey. Number one is do not stay in your comfort zone. It is this a change process? Hence, you must first adopt the agile mindset and be aware of what exactly is needed rather than staying true to your strengths. Number two, do not keep to yourself. Avoid keeping things, especially something that you are not sure of to yourself or trying to solve everything yourself. Approach the right people. Ask and seek advice. The sooner you do this, the better. The third point, do not play the blame game. Be accountable and transparent. Establish an issue as an issue with its respective constraints, challenges, and opportunities to make it right. Do not dwell on the history or its origination unnecessarily. Well, so I would say um, those are some of the pointers that would be very useful for new marriages. What are some of your not-to-dos?
0: Yes, Al. Those are great three simple tips on what not to do. And so I will just add what you should do, and they are 1. Recognize and acknowledge your weaknesses and areas of competencies that needs to be developed by getting help and leverage on your team to help you. Number 2. Leverage on the team. Each person has their competencies and strengths, and therefore, learning how to leverage each person is critical to ensuring that you are playing the best player at the right position. Number three, adjust and readjust your leadership requirements according to the needs of your team and situation. The leadership journey is a difficult and complicated one. And that is the reason why getting everyone on board as soon as possible is key to achieving success as a manager and as a team. A manager's success is not one that is dependent on your output but one where it is measured by your overall team's accomplishments and success. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and let us know what you would like to learn next. And give us your feedback as we aim to continuously improve on what we're doing. Check out our respective websites at lisalamcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Take care and remember, you're not alone in your struggles as a manager.